Prophetic News radio program every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also I have my own program on um, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time called Prophetic News. And we have a one-hour program on Saturday. So I also want to let you know that uh, the chat room is open and uh, we also, this is a live call-in show, if you'd like to call in today, the phone number is 347-826-7088, and uh, I'm having a special guest today, the author is Christine Weck, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, so when she comes on, (laughs) she will pronounce it correctly for me, but she's the author of the book called Explain This, and it is a verse-by-verse explanation of the book of Revelation. And today, our topic is going to be the Pope, the pagan Catholic Church, and the Antichrist. So, it's going to be a very interesting program for you today. I uh, also wanted to uh, let you know that we have a YouTube channel and our YouTube channel is Jonah T for Tom 48. If you'd like to go there and uh, look at our videos, we've had tremendous success on YouTube, over 130,000 views in the last six months. So God has blessed the YouTube channel. And uh, we also have our website, propheticnews.com. There's some great articles on the website hundreds of articles that uh, will help you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe there are some people out there, you don't know Jesus Christ. Uh, You can know him today. You can ask him to come into your life, repent of your sins. Uh, He'll give you a new life today. So uh, you say, well, I don't know Jesus, and... uh, I don't know if he really exists. Uh, You can ask him if he really exists. You can ask him to uh, make himself real to you. And I guarantee you 100% that he will. And he will make you a new creation. Old things will pass away and behold, all things will become new. He'll renew your mind. He gives you a new mind. Uh, It's wonderful to know Jesus Christ. It's wonderful to know the future. We don't have to be afraid of the future. We don't have to be afraid of wars and famines and earthquakes and tornadoes and because we know that no matter what, God will take care of us. So 
if you don't have the peace you need today, you can know the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the soon coming King, and yes, he's coming again. Hallelujah. No man will destroy the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So uh, I'm going to bring my guest on the air now, Christine. And I am here. How are you? Hi. Christine, I think I mispronounced your last name, so would you please give me the correct pronunciation of your last name? Sure. My name is uh, Christine Wyke, and I've had so many people pronounce that so differently. I'm so used to it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my it name, too. It's the German version of that. I this see. This is a Dutch girl who married a German, so we have lots of uh, jokes that go around the family with that one. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it would be better if they spelled it with an W-I. Yep, and there are versions of that. And then, of course, the Dutch way is W-Y-K-E. And, uh, but, wow, that's even worse. Yeah, I know. So it's like, no, they'd it's, really it's me- pronounced They really white. messed it up. <laughs> I can always tell who is a telemarketer because if they cannot spell my name or pronounce the name right, I know that I don't know them. <laughs> yeah, well, sign up for the do not call list. <laughs> exactly. It works. It works. But uh, I wanted to ask you before we get into our conversation, because I know also that you are a gardener. Oh, yes, I and, am. Uh, you you have uh, perennial gardens. Yep, I have now, that. How many hours uh, a day do you spend in those gardens? Oh, it's it's, it's quite a few. I, I In fact, I uh, had dinner um, yesterday with the family for Easter, and right after that I came home and got my fingers dirty. It was a beautiful day here in Michigan, <clears throat> so I went ahead and uh, just itching to get in there. I've been cooped up for too long in the winter, and yeah. the daffodils are right now are just beautiful. Yeah, your da- yeah you those tulips and we can't grow those here in Florida. It's too hot. Right. Yeah, but, but that's, uh, that's the nice thing with the seasons is, you know, my tulips will be blooming here in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, and tulips uh, are great. They are. They're just uh, the, the spring bulbs are really, really quite beautiful this time of year. Yeah. I, uh, I, I work in my yard, too, but I never get it to look in the way I want it to look. What is your favorite perennial plant? That you don't have oh. to really care too much for or feed too much. Um, boy, I've, I've got quite a few. My gardens tend to be very colorful. Um, I, I I live beside a, a fairly busy road where the traffic is quite you know quite high speed. So the gardens that I have are are quite long and they go in waves. So I have like uh, I mean for example I have like a hundred and fifty foot fence. Um, that I have all flowers planted, and it's 10 foot wide, so it's a huge swat of of, um, of garden. And then wow. every every oh 20 feet, the whole garden repeats itself. So I have a wave. So I have a you oh. know whether it's uh, heliopsis, which is uh, I have the summer sun strain, which is a very tall four or five foot plant, which grows the most beautiful dark bright yellow daisy and it blooms for about two months um and that oh, one nice. you know yeah. i have it you know in, in waves then so in that whole fence it's got a big collection of that but then i have it with a very red monarda or bees balm 
which blooms at the same time, and then also a um, uh, oh, it's like a like a purple turtle head. So I have them bright, vivid colors, but they're in a group. So the colors go together and they bloom at the same time, and they're at the correct oh. heights. So you got a lot of planning to do, and I'm still shifting. Yeah. After ten years, I'm still shifting things around and. Putting them in oh, I know spot. it's a never-ending job. Oh, it is. <laughs> I and I'm I'm still mad at Adam because because of Adam and Eve, I have to weed that garden oh, all the time. I'm a slave to the garden. I have the the lovely blessing of um, living in a farming community. I I just got a semi load from the uh, neighbor next door of mulch, and oh. what it is, it's it's used corn silage which is uh-huh. very, I mean, I put that on about three, four inches thick over over the, pl- oh, you know, yeah, around the plant. Oh, yeah, corn gluten, so that's how you keep your weeds that's down. That's how I keep my weeds down and, and it keep moisture And it doesn't hurt your flowers? Nope, nope, they love it. By the time wow, um, well, that's fall a good, comes that's around. that's a good hint you just gave me. You bet. No, the time I fall comes around, the worms have already taken care of it, and it's pretty much bare ground already in the fall. It's just uh-huh. that stuff is just eaten right up, and my soil is about as black as it can be from years of dumping all that mulch. And just wow, beautiful. A local farmer. Oh, that's I mean, nice. See, I never heard that before. Them. Yeah, it's, it's a waste we'll product for them. We'll have to do a them. gardening show one day. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go buy mulch when you can stop at my, a One of my and favorites, <laughs> and I know we're, we're going to be talking about the Pope, the Antichrist, and yes. uh, the pagan Catholic Church, but I want, one of my favorite... Um, flowers is the knockout rose now i'm quite impressed with this plant because it even in the winter it doesn't freeze back and we do get some 20 degree days here it stays green all winter and it blooms as soon as it's the spring comes in florida which is february it starts blooming in february and it'll bloom uh up until the first frost and you don't have to feed it much or prune it uh, it's wonderful. The petals knock themselves off. Yeah. And it, it is really an amazing, amazing plant. Michigan generally has a problem with the roses. I mean, you have to constantly have them in a very windy area um, because we do have a lot of moisture in the air, and uh-huh. and we do get a lot of rain um, where we are at. We're close to the big lake, and they just um, – they, they don't like that mildew, and that's a big problem here with disease. Have you so, tried the knockout rose? Never heard of it. So Try that's it. Unusual, but um, it doesn't get moldy. Uh, and I mean, we have a lot of humidity oh, here yeah, in there Florida. Are Try it. Is it a hybrid, or is it a climber? Is it a um, like what they call it? Seven. It's not sisters? a climber. I, I think it is a hybrid. Okay. But I am so impressed with it. I wow. Am very because I've tried so many different things, and this yeah. is really. It's like a miracle plant. But anyway. Oh, um, we could talk for an hour on this. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to do a gardening show one day, all right? You bet. <laughs> I would love to because I, I would love to get some tips from you. See, now I found out about the corn, and uh, I never heard that before. But um, you have a book, and uh, your book is called Explain This. Also, right. would you tell the people about your radio program on Blog Talk Radio and a little bit about your book? Okay. Um, First of all, I wrote the book. Um, I finished it last year. So I've had it a little over a year. I finished it last year in the early part of the year. I just now um, have got it into print since last September. So I've had the book approximately six, seven months. 
and it has really has done well. It is not currently in stores. However, we are moving that way the month of May. I'm I'm very hoping good. to get the publishing world moves very slowly, especially yeah. when you self publish. I mean, actually, if you publish anything, I mean, it just if you have an agent or if you self publish. Well, unless you're famous, yeah, and have an <laughs> it agent. is. You know, have a it's, good yeah, agent. If you've got a name on you, then you know yeah. your book sells automatically you can just write from anything. the author. I would sell no. your seeds and get a return in 30 days. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, you can. <laughs> but the way that I, I have always looked at Revelation, it started with doing a Bible study where we went through Revelation verse by verse. We took it apart. We did it for about 12 weeks with a study group in my church. And yeah. it was somebody there who mentioned to me, why don't you write a book? And um, I, I just kind of laughed at him going, yeah, right, I don't have time for that. If you knew my garden, you'd know why. And, yeah. uh, you know, and plus I do have another full-time job, which, by the way, is going to be taking a back seat lately um, because I'm more and more focused on the marketing of the book. Very and, good. Um, it just it, I, I I just ignored it basically for about two weeks, but it would not leave me alone. It, it was one of those things where I know God was just poking me constantly. Get it going, get it going, get it going. Finally, I thought, you know, I haven't wrote anything since high school. I am not a writer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did well in school, but people, I'm 48 years old. It's been 30 years since I wrote anything. I mean, I don't write to editors. I don't write to newspapers. It's just, I, I don't do that. This is just not yeah. me. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try the first chapter. And I did it all in one night. And, of course, now you got to understand, I had much of my material already because I was doing the classes. But to write it into a readable form is much different than speaking at a class. Right. So, I, I pulled it together, and I, I read it a couple of days later, and I thought, yeah, I really like that. I, I, I like the way it was written. I just I was kind of like, wow, <laughs> I think I got something. And I did the next chapter and the next chapter. And granted, it did take me 10 months to write it, but I didn't do it wow. all the time. I mean, I worked at it a little every week. And I kind of had a goal, I'm going to do this chapter this week and this chapter, you know, and so on. And it just pulled together beautifully. The um, the publisher that I found fell right in my lap right when I finished it. It was just amazing. It was just like everything just went according to what I didn't plan, but yet it worked out well. And the way I understand it is I see Revelation more simply, more clearly. And as we look through some of these verses in Revelation today, your audience will understand how I come with that more literal, more simple view that makes common sense. And that's what my book is about. I hit every topic in Revelation. I don't skip anything. But the more I looked into it, the more I studied it for not only for my classes but for the book, the more yeah. stuff just popped out at me. Yeah, and, you'd be amazed, isn't it? It's amazing how you could take one chapter of the Bible and you, and you find so many interesting things, and then you can go back a few, a few weeks later and you say, wow, and you read it again and you say, oh, I didn't see that before. Yeah. That's how wonderful the Word of God is because it's just you're ever learning, but I want to tell the people then how they can get a hold of your book. Okay. Well, first of all, you can do it by calling me directly. Um, my number is triple uh, eight. It's a toll-free number. It's triple eight six five three nine seven five two. 
If I don't answer directly, just leave a message, and I have caller ID system. I will call you right back, usually within the day you call. Um, it also spells out one triple eight. Okay, explain. <laughs> I have that. Okay, word in explain. There. That's good. Yeah. Yep. My website is. Um, you can go ahead and, and go on there and pay through PayPal. Um, you can send me a check. Pay. I'm very accommodating. I'm not one of them kind that were like make it difficult for you. Um, I will take a check, but then you you know probably want to just give me a call directly. But the website is explain this dot us okay. so explain this dot us and it has all the information on there as well and um like i said either one of those two just go ahead and uh drop me a toll-free call or just go ahead and check my website in fact my website has a number of uh free chapters um it says they're free articles just click on that there's 17 or 18 of them and they're all pieces of my book, so you can see how I write with that more literal view. I like yeah. to say I explain it the way God wrote it, but what is so unique with my book is that I take other scripture to back me up. I don't yeah. just come out and make an, uh, an assumption unless it's rather clear, but I do, if it is available, I do take Genesis all through the Gospels to help explain Revelation, and that's why oh. the book fun to write. Yeah. So now everybody, if you'd like to uh, get her book, it, uh, her book is Explain This, and you can call one triple eight. Okay, explain. Yeah, or six five three nine seven five two. I sell it for fourteen ninety nine plus Michigan sales tax, which makes yeah. it fifteen eighty eight, and then the cost of the postage, which really can go from you know depending where you live. Some of the course more on the west coast the postage is much higher but um it's less than five dollars for shipping yeah and that, so that would gets, be a, a very interesting study for people yeah uh, and this is if the they perfect, wanted to know more about the book of revelation and, and a the, simple a simple way to yeah find and that's it where i see myself more unique than other revelation prophecy books because i stay away from doctrines and theories I think once you start putting the words dispensationalism in there, amillennialism in there, people automatically are now, it's over their head. And yeah, it's not in there. Is Are those words, they're not in there. They're not. They're, these are man's theories and doctrines, which, hey, you know, right. whether they're incorrect or correct is besides the point. But I think it just confuses revelation all the more. I just yes, like to say, let's use God's word, the rest of God's word, to help explain how revelation could happen. Yeah. So now my radio uh, show. Oh, done... we, we missed the radio show. You can catch me on Wednesday evenings. Um, usually, I I put it in there that I I host it through Prophecy Radio or Prophecy Zone, and uh, but usually Wednesday nights I hit it. In fact, um, this week Wednesday I'm going to be talking about Babylon, which is actually wow. going to be Rome. Um, kind of explain what Rome will look like when the Antichrist is in power. The book of Revelation gives us a lot of clues as to what we can expect. Wow. So what time is that uh, on the Prophecy Zone? I believe it's 10 p.m. on the Western Coast. Okay. So you want to check that out. I know that you've you've done a few programs in the past on the Catholic Church and the Pope and the the Antichrist. So I wanted to, to ask you how... What is the Pope? Who is the Pope? What does he really do? And how does that relate to the Antichrist 
and the Antichrist uh, church system? Well, couple that's there's, there's a, a lot of different avenues here to, to answer all those questions. And the way I think I will start it up with is, first of all, the Pope is a man who needs to be saved by Jesus Christ. Yes. And so many Catholics believe, and, and I, I don't know if this is actually a teaching of the church or if this is just what Catholics are believing, that the Pope comes directly from God and he does not need saving. Um, he is infallible. He is well, he's infallible. Yes. I grew up Catholic, so yeah. Okay, but he, I do believe he's infallible. They, yes, right. He is infallible. He and I'm any sorry, sin. but every man that is born is fallible, including is the Pope, and he needs That's the right. Savior just as much as we do. And if you would reread Revelation after we're done today and put into the subject line the Antichrist or the Beast being a pope, and the Roman Catholic Church being the great harlot, you will understand how Revelation now makes a little more clearer sense. It actually fits. And I've got a number of strong clues here, which I, um, which we will share today, which if we pull this right out of the book of Revelation, we can understand that this can be nothing other than the Catholic Church, just because the clues are so strong. Yeah. So how uh, how what clues are you talking about? All right. About? Well, let's start with the I I start with the main one, and then we'll kind of dwindle down to the ones that are a little bit more subtle. But okay. the um, the Book of Revelation actually gives us more than more than one, and I think the main one is Revelation seventeen verse nine, and, and okay. I'll read it right from the Bible here. Good. This this calls. For a mind with wisdom. Now, here's a clue right here that put your thinking caps on. Um, this calls for someone who has a little bit of a, an, an understanding. In other words, you know, don't be ignorant of this. Just try to gain a little understanding here. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Now, this is okay. also describing the beast. Now, Seven heads are also seven hills. Now, where do you think a city is that sits on seven hills? If you were to go to a travel agent and say, I want to go to the city that sits on seven hills, where do you think they would send you? To Rome. Basically, Rome has been known as the city that sits on seven hills. Now, in John's time, it was also named as that. So this is not a new caption put on to the city of Rome. It's always been known as that. Now, there are people that are going to argue that say, you know what, Rio Janeiro is a city that sits on seven hills, too. And that is true. There are actually seven cities across the world that sit on seven hills. What is interesting is this is where the woman sits. Now, you've got to understand what a woman in Revelation is. It is a metaphor that helps to describe a movement, a group of people that have a like-minded belief or an interest. Okay, so it's not actually a woman. No. For example, the Bride of Christ. Right. Okay, or the Virgin Bride of Christ. Who is that? Well, that's the believers. We all share a common belief that Jesus Christ is our Savior and he died for us. So that woman or that Virgin Bride that woman is a group of people who believe in Jesus Christ. Yeah. What is the opposite of a bride? 
a groom. Well, okay, in a woman category, you would say the opposite, complete opposite of a virgin bride would be a prostitute. Yes. Which is where God is referring to this woman here, completely opposite of the bride of Christ. And one of the things that makes her a prostitute is adultery in God's eyes is the worship of someone or something else. Okay, yeah. So this is a group of people who have a like-minded attitude or a like-minded belief in the worship of something else other than God or in addition to God. And that's what makes this one a harlot. Now, in Revelation 17, verse 9, the woman sits on the city of seven hills. Now, if you're going to take a woman as a religion... Where would the, where does the church or the group of Mormons, the, where do they sit? Where do you, where does that religion sit? You would say that Mormon would be Utah. Religion? Yeah, yeah Utah, I mean, yeah. you'd say that would be Utah. I'm talking location right. worldwide. That's where that is generated. That's where that religion sits. If you are asking where does Judaism sit, Israel. well, that would be Jerusalem. Right. You would say that's where that comes from. And Islam would be Mecca. Where does the church or where does the Catholic church, Catholicism, where does that set? In Rome. In the Rome, the Vatican. Right. And that is the only city that sits on seven hills where one person, the Pope, rules from that area and it's a religion. There's just too many components that make that verse in Revelation to make it anything else than the Catholic Church. And that's what I felt was very compelling. I mean, to me, that is a very strong clue that the religion will sit in Rome. And that's where it always has sat, and it's where it will sit. Another clue comes from earlier in the chapter, Revelation seventeen six through 7. Now we hear a little bit more of a detailed on the woman. And this is a quote from the Bible here. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. And the angel said to me, Why are you astonished? Okay, now understand John here. John is looking ahead into the future. And he's seeing this this episode happening in the world here where there is a church that is going to be controlled by an Antichrist. When John was persecuted or when the apostles were persecuted and martyred and murdered, who were they persecuted by? Go back to your Roman times here. They were the perse- they were persecuted by the government, by the Romans, yeah. by pagans. Right. Okay. And John always understood that the the Jews were always persecuted by pagans. You know the yes. and and the early church was always persecuted by pagans. Yes. And he's looking at this, going, "What's going on?" He's astonished. He's like, "This is beyond amazement." Astonished is like he's just. Taken speechless. He's seen something.
something happening to those who bear testimony to Jesus Christ. He's seeing the believers being persecuted by a church. Yeah. And he's astonished. He's like, what's going on? How can this be? This is not right. This is a church holding to the teachings of Jesus, and they are the ones persecuting the Christians. Yeah. Do we ever Well, that's, there's nothing new. I mean, there's nothing new about that exactly. because they've been doing it Go back to all the Inquisition. Along. The Roman Inquisition. Catholic Church was definitely capable of this back during the Inquisition. Yes. And are they capable of doing it again? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, that's the, that's the, the great. They've managed uh, through tremendous public relations to, uh, for years, they wouldn't even admit that there ever was an Inquisition. And there was just too much history. They couldn't deny it. So then they apologized for it. And, of course, simple-minded people uh, want to uh, say, well, yes, we should forgive them. They apologized for the Inquisition. But, I mean, come on. What church that calls itself a Christian church murders people that don't join? It has nothing to do with Christianity. It's a false religious system. Sure. Well, let's go on to another clue. This one is another strong one. Revelation seventeen three through 5. And the angel okay. carried... Oh, go, are you ready? Yeah. Seventeen three through 5. And then the angel carried me away into the, in the spirit into the desert. And there I saw a woman. Okay, here's the harlot again. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. Okay, you tell me what religion in this world is described better than the Catholic Church right here. Look at Christmas Mass. Look at your Easter Mass, although Easter they do a lot more white. But Christmas Mass is nothing but red and purple. Uh-huh. And all the glitter, the pomp, the splendor, oh, yeah. the glory of the church, that has been ever since it was started also. It was a very yeah. wealthy organization. Very wealthy. It's interesting that they've been having these programs on, uh, I don't know if it's the History Channel or the Secrets of the Vatican. And uh, I had to laugh because it's another PR move. Of course, they have these vast archives and uh, but you're not allowed in to view their documents, their letters, and the history that they've collected for many thousands of years. But uh, and the commentator was saying, no, the Catholic Church <laughs> doesn't have a lot of money. In fact, uh, they're they're operating in the red. Well, I thought I have to I have to laugh. That is that is such a ridiculous statement. Have you ever seen? The gold, they have chalices that they they claim that the body and blood of Jesus is in, and they're in gold, solid gold chalices. And these, you know what? Tabernacles. Perfect, a perfect point. Look at that. Further in that yeah. same verse I just read, she held a golden cup in her hand. Yes. Perf, there you go. Is yeah. the gold chalice or the communion cup, has it ever been silver in the Catholic Church? No, no, never. It is always gold. It's and always that gold. Means and it's a very strong clue that God gave us that this woman, this movement, this this uh 
body of people who have this like-minded religion has got a golden cup. And to the Lord, it's filled with abominable things. And it's the filth of her adulteries. Everything in that is the worship of something else. Oh, yes. Yep. The worship of something else. Oh, yes, we worship Mary and we worship the saints. And, and Make uh, not unto yourself a graven image. Boy, I oh. mean, they are full of them. But I need to make another point here. For those who have loved ones in the Catholic Church who are, who are part of the Catholic Church, do you realize that in Revelation 18, verse 4, there is a clue here. Again, it's a very strong clue that Jesus Christ has believers in this Catholic Church. Because if you look at Revelation 18, verse 4, it says, I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. That is Christ calling from heaven, saying to the Catholics in the Catholic Church, get out of her people, get out of the church. And I need to make so very clear right here that there are believers today in the Catholic Church. I feel that most definitely. There are some that are saved. But it's not the religion that saves you, it's your faith. Yeah. And Christ is calling them out of that harlot. So here is another clue that there are believers in this religious movement. And to me, that makes sense with them having Catholics who are believers, that Christ will call them out. And if you read a little bit more of the city of Babylon, the great harlot makes the comment, I, will, I, I, don't, I'm, I can be a widow. I don't really care. You can leave me. That's okay. I can do without you. And I feel that if you are a Catholic and you are in the Catholic Church during the tribulation period, you will find it compelled. You will find the compulsion to leave it. And yeah. to me, I believe the Antichrist, who I believe is to be a pope, these are the people he is going to chase the strongest because these are traitors. Yeah. These are people who were in the Catholic Church, and they will leave it, and they will obviously leave it in great amount, because the church or the, the harlot says, I will not cry for you when you leave. I can do without you. And that's got to hurt. Can you understand that if you have been in, in the Catholic Church all your life, and then something changes from the top, which I believe the Antichrist will do, yes. to the point where these people must leave. I mean, this is their family. This is their life. This is their church. And they, yeah. they have to oh, leave. Oh, they're it. very devoted. I mean, they're they're more devoted to the church than they are to Jesus. And they're so devoted to Mary and, and the saints yep. and the Pope. and. Uh, but there are like, some Catholics that do have that relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I believe that. And yeah, it's is, very difficult, though, because you never – I, I grew up Catholic and attended a, a Catholic school for many years, but we didn't uh, – we never knew how what born again, how to be born again, or nope. how to really know Jesus Christ in a real way. We we knew about him, and but we didn't really ever understand the plan of salvation. We never read the Bible at that time. You weren't allowed to read the Bible. So. Oh, and they still are not – I mean, they're not really – it depends what kind of priest you have. 
I have talked yeah. to a priest before who does encourage his congregation or his parish to do that. But yeah. this is also it's very a, difficult, though. They don't really want you to. They want you to be dependent on them, which is the way every cult yep. is. Is where they have a leader, and you you listen to the leader. You're not allowed to think for yourself, or you're not a, allowed to question things. You just have to accept everything, as if the, especially if the Pope said it. His words are infallible, so you have to accept it. And that that's all the markings of a cult, because Jesus gave us a, a free will. He gave us a mind uh, to be able to think and understand, and the Word of God, the Bible, which is the, the washing of the water of the Word that washes us and gives us clear thinking. And without knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way and having his word, well, you'll be confused and you'll be drawn to these cults. And uh, it, it's very dangerous. But uh, Well, there's also the possibility, too, as you know, Jesus is talking during, of course, Revelation is during the tribulation. So it is a possibility that there are many Catholics who will see the error of a pope starting to change things. And they may be converted out of of the Catholicism, and that's why Jesus says He calls them out. That's also yeah. a possibility that this will happen. You will see a movement of Catholics stating, "We're not going to do this anymore." Yeah, and, it's and they, also uh, and they see the uh, light. in the Vatican two papers uh, they call a- anybody that's not a Catholic uh, separated brethren. And their job, and even when I grew up a Catholic, our job was to convert people to the Catholic Church, which they say is the one true church. Uh-huh. And uh, so uh, they they have a plan to draw all people back into the church. And I, and I know uh, years ago, and I, I don't know if it's still, if they still are doing this, but they refused to accept or acknowledge the state of Israel and Jerusalem as its capital. Yes, that made it, that it, that statement was made, I believe, by one of the top leaders in the papacy. It was not the Pope himself; it was an Archbishop of Rome or, or around there, uh, when the Palestinians were um, trying to stop the rebuilding in Jerusalem. That he actually made the comment that um, the land of Israel does not belong to the Jews; it belongs yeah. to the Palestinians. And I just went, wow. Um, well, they they really want it. It's, for years, even they fought the Crusades, and uh, they wanted Jerusalem. They wanted because it, then it would prove in their minds that it really was uh, the Catholic uh, religion is really the one true religion. And well, so they keep needed in mind Jerusalem. That the Antichrist will get in the temple there in Jerusalem at that three and a half year point. So that that does happen. Yeah. So well, that would the, be interesting to see uh, that whole s- scenario play out because it, they've been fighting wars. Like I said, the Crusades that was about capturing Jerusalem for the Catholic Church. So, uh, for many <laughs> thousands of years, they've been trying to capture Jerusalem. So I wonder if they have something to do with all the intrigue that's going on in Israel and. Uh, of course, we know that they have the Jesuits, which, uh, which is a paramilitary organization, and also the Knights of Malta. They'll do anything. They're called defenders of the faith, and yes. they'll do anything 
to uh, convert people to Catholicism and and to work for the Pope. So and you got to remember too, the Pope we have right now is basically he's, he's quite laid back when it comes to world politics. He does not really get much involved. I mean, he makes his comments. Um, he did a comment on the Libya um, issue. But you can't say that he in, he, he involves himself into any of the the confrontations. But what if we get one after him that feels the need to do this? And they already carry quite a bit of clout, the popes do. Um, well, they think, say they don't get involved, but, but what that's if we why end they up have with the Jesuits one, and the Knights of Malta. Right, but, I mean, according to the book Revelation, we have the writer that comes out on the white horse here at the breaking of the first seal, and this this person just he just conquers everything. He just is sweeps everything with him, and the whole world is Now, you is said something awe. very interesting right there, because it's always been, to me, I never really understood the the seven seals. Right. And remember when there was a, a, a famous cult leader named David Koresh, and he was right. writing some kind of a thing about the seven seals. Now, why? What? What? What is the story behind the seven seals? And um, why do you think this was so uh, brought to the forefront during this whole episode with David Koresh? Well, I think it was the opener of the of the seven seal who was able to open it. And of course, that was Jesus Christ through His death on the cross. I'm not familiar with the the Koresh movement. Um, what was that called? The the, the Branch Davidian. Branch Davidian. But, I was thinking Davidian. Yeah, but during the time when was, they were trying to get them to leave their compound, he kept saying he was writing this thing about the seven seals, and he had to finish this document. And um, I was wondering why. Why is it so interesting to, uh, especially people in cults, the seven seals? What what is probably because what are the seven seals and when is, when is? <laughs> I, I think the seven seals. If you if you go back to the Jewish culture of a document that has a seal on it, when a person owned the set of property and he wanted to sell it, he would place a seal on it from from to keep it from unrolling to show that it has not been sold. And yeah. the seal was broken by the buyer when the price was paid. That allowed him to do what he wanted with the territory or the property okay. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's, now this is a whole another segment here, as to what exactly yeah. is this large <laughs> scroll that God has in his hand that is so large that it must contain seven seals. And, oh, I see. So it's one scroll that contains seven yeah. seals. And I do believe that the scroll, and I've got a number, and I, I do this in my book. I explain this, how this comes about, all the way back to Genesis. God gave the earth to man as part of the as, as the scroll. He gave the scroll to man and said, have dominion over the earth populate it, have dominion. Everything here on earth is for you. However, there's one thing. You cannot do the tree in the middle of the garden. You do that, you will lose your scroll. You will lose this agreement or you will lose the property. Yeah. When Adam did that, of course, what had happened is Satan knew the significance of that scroll or the property of the earth. 
he knew that was important. And he caused Adam to lose it so that he no longer had dominion over the earth. We do to a point. But you ever get a cat and try a cat, try telling a cat what to do, you have no control over that animal. That animal yeah. will do what it wants. And we have no control over nature, mother nature. That is something that God took away from man. And I believe that that was given then to the devil before Christ had died. Remember when Jesus was tempted by the devil, devil took him up to watch all the kingdoms of the earth. You can own all of this if you worship me. So obviously yeah. the devil had some control of the earth because he was able to give the kingdoms to Jesus. Yeah. Which I made that parallel saying, what was the price that Jesus had to pay to get the earth back to God? Well, that price was the cross. Yes. And that's why the devil did not want Jesus to die on the cross, because that was the ransom paid for the earth and all of mankind. So the seal now, or the scroll now, is in the hand of God. Who is worthy to break the seals? The one who paid the price. And that's where the lamb comes in, being able to take the scroll from the hand of God and he is able to break the seals. And each oh, time he breaks the seals. Now the scroll is the earth. So when you break a seal, something happens upon the earth. So seal number one breaks, a horse comes out, which is the Antichrist, and he starts to conquer. And if we have a pope that sits on the saddle of the white horse, he has a bow, but no arrows. That's another thing. He goes with diplomacy. He doesn't get what he wants by fighting, not yet. In the beginning, he comes as a person of peace. But the whole world is in awe of him, and they follow him. Who is the one who can defeat this person? Who is one like him? For he is great. He solves all the problems. Can you imagine now, as the world continues to deteriorate, not only money-wise, but uh, nature-wise, um, food-wise? I mean, you just go ahead and you can rack up the list of problems the world is having. You have one person that has all the answers. Will not people follow him? Well, absolutely, especially when people yeah. are destitute. Yeah. And that's where I feel the rider of the white horse will have so much power, and he will be given power. Notice he is given power. He doesn't take it. It is given to him. So yes. this could either mean that he was voted in, but it could also mean that people are willing to give him all this extra power because he's got all the answers. And we yes. do not have anything like that on the scene right now. No way. A lot of people are saying that the Antichrist is in, is in power right now. Um, a lot of people like to link that to our president, and it just doesn't, he doesn't fit. He doesn't no. fit the protocol here. Obama is not the Antichrist. No, no. <laughs> and no, really, I don't is, believe that either. No, he is but, not in uh, power yet. We have to wait. Yeah, and that seven-year treaty that he signs with Israel is going to be the first clue to figure That'll it out, clue. who he is. 
Now, you got to remember, too, God put these things in his word to not trick us. As we see things unfolding, as time moves on here, more and more are we going to see things more clearly where we will not be fooled as to who the Antichrist would be. But for those people who ignore it and don't pay attention, those are the ones who will be deceived. So um, the book of Revelation and the Antichrist, now is the Antichrist, we see so many things happening, in the, especially in the financial arena. So will, there will be three and a half years of um, prosperity? Very possible, because if you look again at the opening of the seals, the first horse comes out, such and such happens. When the second horse comes out, which is the red horse, he takes away the peace from the first horse. Catch that little clue there. So there will be a time of world peace where everything seems to be going great until, uh-huh. of course, the second seal is opened. We, again, do not have that in the world today. So the opening of the seal has not happened yet. We have to understand that, that the seals are not yet started. I see. So if the second horse comes out and he removes the peace that the first horse brought along, then there must have been some kind of peace. What the Bible does not tell us is how long is the time frame between each seal. We don't know that, and that's not given to us. That's just okay. a guesstimation by those who kind of try to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah, because I, that's that's uh, you see a lot of the people that are involved in cults and false religions, and they, they seem to pay a lot of attention to uh, the Antichrist and to the book of Revelation as far as uh, you know, the seven seals. and. Uh, it, well, you've got to uh, remember, too, we also have the trumpets and we also have the bowls of wrath. Now, something that I do see differently than a lot of other people is, well, I'm going to give you an example here. I use this in my Bible studies. When you are told to create a bouquet of flowers, okay, you're given seven tulips. I'm going to do Michigan horticulture here. Seven tulips, seven daffodils, and seven crocuses. Okay, Uh you're told to make a nice spring bouquet, and they're in bunches of three, correct? Yeah. Seven, seven, and, and, and seven. When you make the bouquet, you have your, your bowl to put your, your flowers in, do you group them all together like big bunch of daffodils on the right, and the tulips over here, and the crocuses over here? You no. Don't. You put them in one at a time. You do all the daffodils first, but you spread them all out over the whole bowl. And then you put the tulips and you mix them in. You see what I mean? So you have a nice blend of a bouquet. That's what a bouquet is. Well, look at that as the book of Revelation. We have seven seals and seven trumpets. They're not all bunched together in the beginning. I like to say, let's look at this as they are grouped together as a common denominator, but they're spread out over the entire seven years. So the seven, the the first seal can open, but so can the first trumpet together. I mean, it doesn't, but they can go very closely. 
And this is where many people kind of make Revelation confusing. They think all the seven seals have to open first, and then all the seven trumpets happen. I don't see it that way. And the more I studied it, the more it made sense that seal number one opens in the beginning, seal number seven opens at the end. Mm-hmm. Trumpet number one opens towards the beginning, trumpet number seven happens at the end. And they're all interweaved with each other, but they each are told to do it one at a time. John is describing them one at a time, just like you would put one daffodil at a time until all seven are gone. But that doesn't mean they're all bunched in one corner. No, they're spread out over the whole bouquet. Yeah. And I says, Now, uh, we have uh, just a few minutes left, but I wanted to uh, ask you... um, about the rapture, what is your feeling about uh, the rapture? Um, I always, when someone asks me that, I always start out and say, you know what? Whenever it happens, I'm going to wave to you at the air, and I'll see you in the midair. If it happens <laughs> before the tribulation period, I am blessed to be out of here. Yes. However, what if it occurs at some point during the tribulation period? Do you now have enough faith to make you go through that? I know Christ said he will be with us. And I did a whole chapter in the book on how I feel or why I believe that the rapture occurs towards the tail end of the tribulation period. Remember, it's at the sound of the last trumpet. Not the first trumpet, not the second trumpet, not the third one. It is the last trumpet. And the last trumpet has to be towards the end of tribulation. What I believe and I I know in my heart that if the rapture, who cares when I believe when the rapture is? If you're ready, you're going to go. Right. It is not a condition for salvation. And there are so many people who will argue amongst good Christians to the point of of creating diversity between churches and families over this issue of the rapture. It is not a condition for salvation, so why do we monkey with it so much? The devil wants us to create diversity, and the rapture has done that with many believers and with many churches. And when I do my, I I, I have a table that I work with at sometimes at county fairs where I, I set up my revelation series. And, and I get all kinds of people, atheists and believers alike, yeah. that approach my table. And there are so many people who look at my sign and they see the 666, are you ready yeah. for your Savior? And they yeah. see that and they're like, I will never read Revelation because it doesn't apply to me. Wow. And to me, that is ignorance. And The Apostle Paul told us this, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Try to understand revelation like you will be going through it. If we don't, we're blessed. But if we do, we now have a knowledge of what is going on and what we can expect. Because it was put there for a reason. But to put your head in the sand and say, yeah doesn't apply to me, rapture is going to take me away before the Antichrist even comes to power, I believe then people will be the ones to be deceived because they have no idea what is coming. Yes. So um, when we're uh, raptured, but Jesus does not actually come back to the earth. 
So the, when is the, how does that, explain a little bit about the second coming. I believe that, well, he sends his angels out to collect us. Now, what is really interesting is this pastor, I think his last name is Campen or Van Campen, he says May 21, the world's going to end. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you haven't heard this? Oh. oh, man, It. I believe there is a march going across the United States starting May 20 or May 19 that they uh-huh. are telling everybody that May 21 is the day the Lord's coming back. It is being advertised in my city. Really? It's on, it's on billboards. No, I haven't heard that. Yeah. Oh. It, um, Oh, I'm just I'm trying to think of his website and right now it is eluding me. Just Google May twenty one, end of world. Okay. And you'll you'll come up with all his shenanigans. And oh. he firmly believes that May twenty one, according to his working the numerology in the Bible, May twenty one oh. will be the day of the rapture. Well, that's an oxymoron. And what were we told? You will not know the day or the hour. <laughs> and he's labeled yeah. the day. <laughs> right. That's what the Bible says. Something you got to keep in mind here, there is a reason why we may not know the day or the hour. Because at any given time upon the earth, there are actually two days going on. I mean, if you look at the 24-hour period of the, of the earth, there yeah. are two days going on at some point in the world at one given time. So how can Christ return on a particular day when it's already tomorrow in many other countries as we speak? (laughs) You know, I mean, today is Monday for me, but it's Tuesday in other countries. Yes. So that might be an explanation of how Christ cannot come on a particular day or hour, because there's 24 of them. There's 24 different hours. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, But it's all at the same time, you understand? Yes, So that could be a little play of words there. Yes. Another thing is when the Jews raise the shofar for that sliver of the moon to come up, they actually do not know the day or the hour it happens. They send somebody up on a hill to look for it. And when they blow the trumpet to start the Feast of Trumpets, they wait for that one person to look for the sliver of the moon. Then that's when you blow the trumpet, and that's when the yeah. Jewish holiday begins. So I again, see. they still Jews today don't even know the day or the hour of the Feast of Trumpets. You have to wait. Oh. And uh, and that's something that they actually send somebody up on a hill and look. Yeah. You know, and then they announce it. I so see. I like to say that Christ would appear before the tribulation period. <laughs> We got some tough times yes. to go through. Yes. You know, and and it's a blessing, then so be it. Yeah. But Jesus told us to, you know, pray that you can escape all these things. Yes. Now think of this. The rapture is a given. It's a gift, correct? Yes. Just like if we become saved, heaven is not something we have to pray to get into. It is a gift. Right. That is given right. to us automatically. The yes. rapture is not something we pray for. That is something that we get automatically, whether yes. we pray for it or not. Right. What we need to pray for, I think what Jesus meant there, is that things will be so terrible that pray for your own death so that you stand before the throne of God. Oh, amen. 
And that, to me, is a clue that people, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, boy, we got some tough times coming. Get your strength strong. Get your faith strong. Yes. And he will be with us, and he will help us through this. Yes, And that is a promise he made us, and I have so many people that say, why would God put his church through the wrath? But the wrath doesn't come till the bowls of wrath are poured out. We are out of here then. Good. Then we are done. But there Amen is going to come a that. time of great testing. And I tell yes. you what, America needs a great time of testing. Yes. Well, Christine, I want to thank you. Oh, I appreciate very it. Much thank you so much for having me on. It was oh, a blessing talking. It. Yes. And uh, we're going to do it again because I want to do a program about the seven seals. Yes. Oh, you know, you pick any topic in Revelation, you can spend an hour or two. <laughs> yes. There is yes. so much. But it was good today. It was very, very informative, and I think it was a, uh, it, it will really help so many people. So I want to thank you again. And, Appreciate uh, it. And we'll be talking soon, okay? Thank you very much, and you have a great week. Thank you. You too. All right, everybody, I want to thank you for tuning in today. And uh, remember, Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other Lord. Uh, He wants to uh, give you a new life. You can today be born again of the Spirit of God. Old things will pass away. Behold, all things will become new. Ask Jesus Christ today to forgive you of your sins. We've all sinned and come short of of the glory of God Ask him to reveal himself to you. He will. He will save you. He will heal you. He is a wonderful Savior, a loving, merciful God who loves you. He will take away that confusion that you have. So ask Jesus Christ to come into your life today. He loves you. God bless you. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city it lies four square. The gates are made of jasper and I'll see Jesus there. I'm going to a city. Hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there.
and there'll be no sorrow there. And someday I'll be in heaven, and there'll be no sorrow there. 